0: Well, thanks again for listening to the Park Hills podcast. If you want info on the things that we're doing, go to parkhillschurch.com or the Park Hills Church app. So Zephaniah ends with just an amazing verse that I think will help us ponder what we're going to try to do today. It says this in verse 20, at that time, I will bring you in at the time when I gather you together, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth. When I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. And I think what I love about Zephaniah's ending is the whole book has been talking about Uh, the day of the Lord, God burning away, what's broken in us. And we don't like judgment. None of us like judgment, right, Alex? Right. I mean, we don't sit around and think, I can't wait to get judged today. This is going to be the best. Yeah. You
1: know what, God, can you just pour out your (laughs) righteous indignation on me right now?
0: Exactly. That's not what we're asking for. It's
1: not often in my prayer.
0: But what I love is the the picture at the end here of I'm going to gather you up. It's, It's sort of like a... Like a hen, you know, gathering up the chicks or if you've ever seen like a mother duck trying to get all the ducklings across the road or something or a group of swans. Like there's this idea that that the the mother sort of moves and all the babies come along and he's sort of saying like, I'm going to gather you and I'm going to pull you in. So the ultimate expression of his discipline is to bring us to him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I don't – that wasn't always my perspective of discipline when I was growing up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like when I was younger, and I'm gonna throw some a couple of stories out, and, and my mom she, she might listen to this, maybe she does. I don't I don't even know if she listens to the podcast, so maybe I'm totally safe here, but I'll <laughs> I'll, I'll say hi mom. But you know, like there was one there was one instance where uh <laughs> my mom said, Do not run the hose. Do not run the hose for like all summer. That was her refrain. And she was working one day and it was so hot outside. And all of us, it was so hot. We thought, man, we need some water. Like we need, just need water. So we didn't want to run inside. We wanted to just use the hose. So we turned the hose on to get a drink. And the neighborhood kids wanted to drink. And then a neighborhood kid sort of took the hose and started spraying somebody else. And then we brought out our water guns. And then we brought out like a cooler full, uh, you know, that was empty. And we filled the cooler up with water. And we started throwing that at people. And before you know it, then you had a mud cake in the backyard like the backyard yeah. became a mud fest and we're running in the mud and we're spraying each other and we're chasing each other around with super soakers remember those like oh i had the green and yellow one yeah yeah, yeah yeah i had, I had a green and yellow. there was only one at the time it was called the
1: super soaker
0: correct yeah so this was at the time now there were a couple more and okay. I, had, I had a couple others as well but we're running around the yard we're having a blast i mean it just we left the hose running the whole time and when my mom got home, she was so disappointed in us and she started yelling. We turned the hose off, we apologized to all of our friends, they all went home. And I remember them sort of muttering under their breath, you know, your mom's the meanest person ever, you know, yada yada yada. And then as I, yeah, totally. That's the super sucker. Will, are you saying to drop it in the show notes or what? Yeah. Can you? <laughs> I'll I see what I can. There you do. go. I
1: just looked up the exact yeah. one I had and probably the one that every other kid.
0: Had. <laughs> we'll try to drop that in the show notes, but here's the thing. So I, I get to this spot and I, I am so terrified of my mother. She, I was, you know, I wasn't young at this point. I was probably 12, 13, somewhere in there, but she terrified and rightfully so and it wasn't because she was mean it's just she carried a presence about her that scared me to death and i remember getting called into the house and we were we were all reamed and mm-hmm. and then we were you know disciplined and then we were put in our rooms for the rest of the evening and i could hear my friends who also were playing with us playing out in the yard i could hear all the people you know hollering at their their yards and people playing basketball I remember thinking, this is so mean. I can't believe this. And then years later, we were laughing about this, my brother and I. Uh, just we were just kind of joking about it. I think we we're on a family vacation or something. We we're like, do you remember when you flipped out at us about the Super Soaker mm. expedition and how much you, you know? You just were so mad. And she's like, do you guys know why I was mad? And we're like, no. And she goes, "There's what she said. The water that summer, they raised the rates." And, and that, that month we paid $400 in water. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And she goes, the Uh only thing that happened was you guys doing that for the half of the day. She's like, the fact that you guys, I was at work, you didn't listen to what I asked you to do. Mm -hmm. I was so infuriated and we're both, we're all like, do we need to pay you back? Like, I know we didn't have a lot of money growing up. So then I'm like, okay, we not only broke you, but we potentially put, like our football career and risk or yeah. like there were so many things. And in my mind at the time, I was like, man, my mom is so mean. And now I look back on it as a parent and I go, I, I always want what's best for my kids. And sometimes I don't always express it the way I'd like to express it. But what I, they, they think I'm just getting angry for no reason at all, but they have no idea the pressures of what adulthood feels like Yeah, the pain of trying to figure out how to provide for your kids in a, in a, in a struggling economy and everything else. So I look back at it now and I'm like, she wasn't mean. She was just trying to discipline us and show us, I, I want better for you. And we didn't even think of the consequences that were coming tomorrow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think as a parent today, I think that is one of the most difficult things for me to communicate to my children. Totally,
0: like,
1: Because it's easy to either overemphasize, overemphasize, or underemphasize the importance of their obedience. Yeah. You know, I want them in their childlike and childish brains to understand the importance of obedience because of costs like that. So how do you properly, because you can't sit, as, you know, I can't sit my young kids down and say, okay, I want you to know this cost me $400 <laughs> because they have no concept of $400.
0: Right.
1: You know, so I can't logically explain it to them, but then how do I help them emotionally explain it? And, and then it's also easy to be like way over the top to be like, to chew them out so hard that they feel like they're total failures, yeah, you know, for something. So, yeah, that's that's the challenge of discipline. It's tough. It's a, tough. a ta- challenge of of justice in your in your children to know where that line is, know where the right balance is.
0: So then it, so that idea, and I, I'm totally with you. And as a parent now, I look at it and I go, I struggle so much in my imperfection as a human. Trying to discipline my children accurately. And I know that my parents didn't always handle it the way they wanted to, right? I mean, there were times that my dad just said things way meaner than he meant to. You know, there were times that my stepdad lovingly stepped in and I didn't handle his discipline the way that I should have because they got married when I was 17, I think, or almost 17. So it was really hard for me to sort of work through some of those things. And I look back on it now and I go, what a, what a nice guy who's just trying to step into our family. What, you know, and I think about my dad and I go, I can't imagine the pressure of being a guy who works in a factory, going through constant pain, which my dad has. And like, I can let people off the hook a little bit, but then I, I look at that and I turn it toward God. And I go, when I read Zephaniah, there's a part of me that thinks, why couldn't God have found a nicer way to do this? Do you know what I'm saying? Like Uh there's this weird thing in my heart that says if if we are imperfect and we fail and then anger comes out, there's this little sinful part of my heart that's like, then why can't God just do it perfectly where it doesn't hurt anybody? Yeah, which is utter foolishness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm yeah. glad I don't have to write that. No, out I, 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 I love that you. Like
1: just... if, if you're not in the room, I'm sitting here and Chris <laughs> is a straight face saying that to me, and I'm just like he, he realizes what he's saying. He's real. Okay, okay, okay. It took ten seconds to figure. It out. I knew full well what I was saying. I know, but, but you. What I'm saying is you were yeah. you had such a straight face at it that I was like,
0: oh no. But but that is the that is one of the complaints I hear from people who are far from God all the time. Like, I wouldn't love a God who's going to discipline people. Like, I've watched a a TV show where they retold the story of Job in the most ridiculous way possible and made God look like just a masochistic psychopath. And I'm going, I understand how you can look at the text and you can misunderstand that. But at the same time, if you go back to what I just said and you think about your parents trying to guide you through life and how they're always meaning the best for you, but it doesn't always look that way for you. Sometimes we blame our parents when really the issue was on us.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And so then I want to apply that same concept to to Yahweh, and I want to say it's possible that there is, and, I, and I'm saying possible somewhat facetiously here, uh-huh. it's possible that there is no other way for him to handle our sin than what we have described in Zephaniah or other uh-huh. places. And when I say it's possible, it's, pro, it's likely, like that's the only way God... God doesn't seem to want to do things the way that he ultimately has to do them. The scriptures say things like this, like I'm mourning over this, or I'm, you know, Jesus wept as he's walking around. Like there are so many moments that you're going, I see the heart of God, but what God's ultimate heart is, is to move his people from what they are to what they should be. Right. Which is the point of discipline.
1: Right. And over and over scripture talks about the, the patience and the long suffering of the Lord and not bringing his discipline when we deserve it. And I, I think that's kind of what you're you're digging at here is God is totally within his right to be way more harsh, mm-hmm. way more often with us. But because God is so patient. And so for us to look at God and say, God, how could you do this? God's looking at us like, I have been so patient with you. And now you're blaming me for finally bringing discipline to you that is, you know, going to help you be better. Like I had mentioned in in the sermon from a couple weeks ago, uh, that God and I, I actually I think I was quoting you, right? Yeah, I was quoting you that mm-hmm. that a good father disciplines to to help his children be better in the future. Mm-hmm. And I I would like to think I would hope that most, if not all, my discipline of my children is to make them be better. Like those mm-hmm. moments to communicate to them the the challenge of what they've done and how hard that is, whether it's because there was a big financial cost or big emotional sure. cost or things like that, you know, we're always trying to balance how do we help them understand the reason that I want my kids to understand how sure. important or how bad their behavior was is because I don't want them to do it again. Right. I don't want them to be in that same, you know, if uh, if my kids will be, sometimes they're just being boys and they'll break things. And then they're kind of like, oh, I broke something. I'm like, no, you don't understand. I don't want things broken in my house all the time. Like, what's the, what's the proper level of helping them understand that so they don't do it again? Right. God is, his discipline is the same for his people, but he is so patient mm-hmm. and so long-suffering and so merciful for us that when he does finally feel like, yes, I need to intervene in a, in a meaningful way to get your attention, how dare we look at him and be like, oh, I can't believe you. Let me lose that money or let me, you know... Mm-hmm lose that job or that relationship fell apart or whatever how could you let that happen
0: i think that's totally it that's that's where i'm i'm living as i finish zephaniah and reflect on the book i'm going that's exactly who god is and in your case you know you're talking about your kids breaking stuff you're also wanting them to stop breaking things so they stop also breaking each other. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know, that's for, a good point. Yeah.
1: For all of my kids that have, uh, for all the boys and the boy years in my home, they have not broken each
0: other that much. So, yeah. so far. It, because you're yeah. doing a good job as being a parent, I think, uh, up to uh, this point. Yeah, maybe. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll see how it all plays out when it, when it's all said and done. Uh, and you know when you end up with twelve children, and we'll find oh, out how slow this down goes. there, Pastor Chris. Just, just, yeah, just I'm yeah. being prophetic right now. Yeah,
1: as I was say, the man of God has yeah. walked into the room and declared <laughs> prophecy over septuplets.
0: Me. You heard oh, it. You're right. here to hear for folks. So the the last idea that I and I think this is helpful. I hope this. I hope this episode is helpful for people just to stop and think about. You know, I think the practical thing that I would add to this is: Are you Are you in control of yourself when you're disciplining your children? Are you doing so in a way that is measured, that is careful? If you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, that's why I get angry at my kids, maybe step back before you discipline and think about what you're doing. Because God is not doing this out of anger. We just said, he's doing this out of patience. He is incredibly patient. He's incredibly kind. This is like the last resort for him. And for us, sometimes it's like, I want to get there right away. Mm -hmm. Um, And in fact, when I look back on you know, the, the, the super soaker incident. I'm actually impressed with how measured my mom was in her response. She, Mm -hmm. if it was, if it was a worse moment for her, she could have come unglued. If it would have been before Christ in her life, it's a really good chance she would have come way more unglued than she did. And I'm looking at that going, wow. Okay. So then I need to apply that to my life. But I think the last thing that I want to think about here, and and I, this is another important thing for us to think about is discipline sometimes doesn't come by punishment it just comes by the crippling presence of being around someone else so i have met heroes of the faith for me i've met people that i really look up to you know i've met people whose music really inspire me i've met preachers that i've listened to without them realizing it you know i've there was one really Totally nerdy moment where I was at a conference and a guy starts walking past me. He was talking to his friend, and then I realized it was Matt Chandler. And I,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and there was this moment of like, because I I really respect Matt. I think he's just a phenomenal pastor. I love what he's doing. I, he's his sermons are good and they're measured and they're biblical and they're strong. And I've, i I he's one of those guys that I listen to and I go, I don't always love his his measure the way he talks, but. He has inspired me in so many different ways, you know, Tim Keller or others, but Matt Chandler, I'm walking and all of a sudden I see him walking across from me. And I had this thing where it was like suddenly my brain, it clicked, that's Matt Chandler. And my face clearly moved from like just focused on what I'm about to do because I was walking into the session Mm -hmm. to... I started beaming, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. and, and I noticed he noticed me and then noticed that I noticed who he was and he, he just kind of smiled with like this, oh shucks, thanks a lot. And even in that moment, like his humility, because I mean, if it, I've met guys who are less humble and very proud of who they are, yeah. famous pastors or others yeah. that I've been in their presence and I've been really disappointed when I got to talk to them. But when I, when I watched Matt's face there, it was sort of a, don't think too much of me, just serve the Lord. And it mm-hmm. was just this really neat, humble moment. And I'm going, in that moment, I was ashamed of my own girl fanness. Like, <laughs> like you know, there was a part of me yeah. that also was just sort of looking at him going, w- like when I've spoken at districts or I've spoken at other things, kids have come up to me and they sort of treated me like a celebrity or something, yeah. which is ridiculous to me. But you're the speaker. Yeah, and yeah. and then I and I I I have sometimes let that go to my heart a little more than I would like, and so watching Matt respond that way, or you know, I, I talked to Francis Chan briefly one time. Those guys are the real deal. Like they, they really, really, really love the Lord, and they're trying to stay humble. They're trying to follow Him and let Him be the one who defines them. And what, my point that I'm driving toward is in those moments, those guys so intimidated me. They judged me without even trying to judge me. You know, I felt mm-hmm. disciplined by them just because they were following the Lord in such a way that I felt embarrassed of my own sin. I, have you ever had a moment like that? Like,
1: Yeah, I don't, for me, it, it's not around people that are famous. I have very little like exposure to famous people. Like I'm just, just a regular guy. I don't walk in the circles that you get to walk into lead pastor, Chris. Lead,
0: <laughs> this is long before lead
1: pastor, Chris. Lead pastor, almost Dr. Chris. Um <laughs> But there are some people that I just, I really respect. And it's like every word that comes out of their mouth is pure wisdom and godliness. Mm-hmm. And I I respect them and I look up to them. And I'm like, man, I hope one day a lot of these, at least in my experience now are, are older people, you know, mm-hmm. people in like their 60s or even 70s. And sometimes I just wonder, why are you talking to me? Like, why do I get your time? Why do I, why do you spend time or why do you think, or sometimes those people even have a conversation with me where they're interested in my thoughts on something or even if they're not like seeking my advice, like, what should we do about this? But they're just like, what do you think about this? I'm like, why are you asking me mm-hmm. this question? I have, I have nothing compared to you. Yep. I, I don't even belong in the same room as you. Like, if I could only be half the person you are. Mm-hmm. And that makes me feel bad about myself. It, exactly. It, it, that's where I feel that judgment of like, I am, I have not lived up to what you live up to every single day. Right. I don't belong here. I've, I've had many of those moments and, and most of those, those men are people that, you know, even some of our, our listeners would know. And, uh, and they're just the most humble, mm-hmm. humble. I not saying that there aren't women, but it just in my, in my context and who I'm talking to and things like that, it's often, it's a lot of a lot of men that are, are talking to me. and um, But uh, they're just the most humble guys I know that, yep. that want to have a conversation with me and, and even want to hear, hear what I have to say. Yep. Like, wow, that's, that blows
0: me away. So to conclude this episode, I want you to take that idea. Think of somebody who intimidates you just by them being who they are. And now I want you to stop thinking about them and i want to think i want you to think about how infinitely how much infinitely greater god is than those people and the 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 closing thought here is if he is that great how would him just moving or him just showing up into a circumstance how much wouldn't that feel like judgment you know what i'm saying it, it is totally or wouldn't it not feel like, like you are just going to be so overwhelmed with him. And when I think about the end of Zephaniah and this idea of him gathering in his people, of him asking us to worship, I think some people will see that as self-aggrandizing or self, you know, God seems arrogant that he's like, just worship me and then I wouldn't act this way. That's not it at all. I think that's a really bad way of thinking about it. I'm thinking it... God is so glorious and so amazing and so perfect in everything that he does. All he needs to do is arrive. Mm-hmm. And in so doing, we are going to be broken by him. And the burning away that we feel, like we talked about you know, in the last episode with the day of the Lord, that just happens by him being him. He, he can't get around it. And so if I'm speechless around the guys that I'm looking up to, if you're speechless around people that are wise and are are giving you time of day, even though you don't feel like you deserve it, how much more will we feel that way when it's God? In which case, I think that's probably a better understanding of the day of the Lord than just God is coming in judgment to destroy everything. It's more God loves us so much he wants us to be like him. And by him showing up to show us, no, this is how it's supposed to be, we're going to get burned away. Parts of us are going to evaporate because we can't withstand his glory. And in that moment, I think we'll know who we really are and it'll, it'll ground us into who we're supposed to be.